to Titillating Talks. And we're busting fitness myths. I'm Laura. I'm Hallie. And this is Titillating Talks. We're best friends and we're busting fitness myths. And sharing honestly. Welcome. Hello. So you're going to have a few minutes maybe or however long it was (laughs) that we were waiting for you to get in your chair of just shredding noises. So, you know, we can cut those. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Hi, Hallie. (laughs) Hi. How are you? Oh, doing good. I um, it was a rough night last night with Archie's sleep. He is, I don't know. I think he's just like really starting to teeth. I keep saying that, and it keeps lasting for a long time without any teeth actually coming through. But I can now see little white, you know, like kind of white areas on his bottom front, like where his two front teeth would be. So pretty sure that's what's going on he's just been super fussy I think the suckling motion of breastfeeding hurts his gums so he's like hungry but then he doesn't want to suck so yeah it's been it's been a rough like past 16 hours or so I'm sorry (laughs) that can be tough yeah yeah for sure Renee cut his first teeth while we were on a vacation Mm. and um you know had a spiked fever was like really irritable like couldn't sleep we were in the Bahamas this was like 2021 so it was still like you know it was like our first trip yeah um, post-pandemic middle pandemic I don't even know what you would call it it was I guess it was the middle of the pandemic still right it was 2021 he was uh eight months old it was the June the June of 2021. So, um, yeah, it's challenging. You know, uh, I, I often preface everything I say by like, he's a pretty easy child. So I don't have a lot of moments of stuff happening that is really disruptive to our like normal routine, but there's been some times with the teeth thing where you could just see he's uncomfortable. He needs to be comforted a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that really helped for us, I think I may have told you in the past was um getting like thin like muslin washcloths yeah and wetting them and then we kind of rolled it up like hot dog style kind of and then we would freeze them and then I would give it to him and you know first of all it was like tactile thing for him to play with that's cold and texture and all that but also uh he would chew on it and I think it would be really helpful for him uh, yeah you actually told it. me this I think last week and we okay, did it over <laughs> we we did it over the weekend we had a little road trip we went and drove about an hour south to Dana Point and had a little beach day and on the way we had the frozen towel with us and he really liked it and it seemed to soothe him and he fell asleep in the car so we definitely have to make one of those again because I don't have one in the freezer right now so yeah I, he was definitely more interested in that than he was like your typical teething toys he ended up playing with those like later on in his teething journey but in the Mm -hmm. beginning I think because their gums are it's so new you know yeah probably I would assume it probably feels a little itchy a little Mm -hmm. swollen right like I'm trying to like imagine what it might feel like but it's such a new sensation too I think it's just a matter of like trying to get them comfortable I don't think that they like necessarily want to like be gnawing on a piece of plastic um it wasn't until his like teeth really grew in and he had like a bunch of teeth and then he was getting his molars so he was like more interested in the plastic toys mm. probably because like, the function of the back teeth are probably a little different too right like yeah. those arc running teeth so there right. might have been like something who knows like species related <laughs> happening yeah there. maybe archie really <laughs> loves the like little um so he's got like little rubber chew toys like little bananas and things like that and he really likes those he actually has fallen in love though with a bamboo spoon the past few days I think he really Mm -hmm. likes the hard complete Mm -hmm. like solid wood texture of it and he's been like crawling around with it it's like his security spoon now (laughs) he loves it so much like we're changing his diaper and like giving him the spoon to calm him down like here you go here's a spoon (laughs) 
hear your spoon. <laughs> I know. It's always like the random things that like are not marketed as toys. Yeah, like the TV remote. He loves the TV remote. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't want to give your baby a TV remote necessarily. There's batteries in there. If like the battery acid leaks out into your baby's mouth, like that's a health hazard. Um, but he'll just go for it. Like if it's on the couch and he sees it, he'll go for it and he'll grab it and he'll be like, ha ha ha, I got the TV remote, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, how do you know? Like, this is a thing and why do you love it so much? And like, what's the appeal of it? I guess the rubber buttons maybe feel cool and the hard plastic yeah. backing, mm-hmm. different textures feels good. I don't know. It's I just think so it's funny. because he sees adults use it i think but we don't even we don't even put the tv on in front of him when he's awake so he doesn't even know what it is like he's just grabbing it yeah 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 it looks sexy compared to all the rest of the toys it's black i guess yeah (laughs) he doesn't have any black (laughs) toys maybe it's something different yeah speaking of batteries for children's mouths or not so much duracell just had a commercial i think it was duracell that they're making batteries that have like a bitter lining on them so that mm. children can't choke on them. I guess it's so bitter that the child wouldn't want to like keep it in their mouth long enough to choke on it. And I thought it was really interesting. Oh, wow. Uh, Is this for I those also, little like disc? Uh, yeah, it looked batteries. like those were the ones that they were showing, um, which then made me question a lot of things. And I was like, who, how, what? <laughs> I was like, what? what are kids really swallowing batteries off I think I, guess. I think it's the number one uh most common like choking item in a household is those little mini tiny like disc shaped batteries I forget what they're called but they're like in a lot of small electronics nowadays those little tiny like disc ones and it's very common I guess for kids to choke on them oh I didn't know because but like, like wow. yeah like who's leaving those around their house that's and how question. I mean so many of these things have to be like screwed in I don't know I just I was like oh wow it must be pretty serious out there if that's something that they're marketing yeah um yeah and then my husband made a bad joke about getting that for Renee's thumb because he sucks on it and mm. I was like no no we don't people do that though they put bitter like nail polish or something on it to um... yeah that's what our dentist recommended um I don't want to do that because I'm not that mean um I've heard aloe can also be like bitter enough that a child wouldn't want to put it in their mouth but honestly most kids usually stop sucking their thumb on their own so we're just going the all natural routes we've also like whittled it down to certain times like it's a comfort thing and he only does it when he has a certain lovey and Mm. so he and I and well us and him right we we all have a conversation basically about like not holding that lovey during the day because we know that it's going to make him want to suck his thumb and the dentist told him not to and then he understands that and so we only have the lovey when we're going down for naps or is the lovey wait sorry is the lovey a stuffed animal or something yeah, it's his oh, okay. little French bear. His name is Dudu. Uh, so we call <laughs> Dudu. Yeah, Dudu. D o u d o u. Um, and uh, so he loves his Dudu, but we have to now keep Dudu out of reach while he's awake. And so it's good that we've identified when he's doing it and like that he's aware of that. But toddlers are persistent is probably a good word right yeah like if I keep talking about it then he will out of spite hold his thumb up look at me and then shove it in his mouth so we like just try to like say like okay daytime no thumb nighttime that's fine right because that's making you feel comfortable and safe in your bed and so you know and then we also talk about characters like does Elmo suck his thumb no does Mm. Elsa suck her thumb no does mommy and daddy suck their thumb no so like does mickey no right like so nobody you know is sucking their thumb except for you so maybe we should listen to the dentist yeah that's a good way (laughs) to think about it peer pressure you know (laughs) a little little bit of kind gentle peer pressure right yeah all your character friends none of them are doing it (laughs) maybe it's the sign that you should also get on board and not do it Anyway, (laughs) I mean, it is another Mother's Month episode, so I think we've um, 
started off with the right topics talking about our children yeah um it's this episode is airing in may we are talking all about motherhood this month and um yeah i mean there's a lot that we could cover on the topic of motherhood today we are going to be talking about the motherhood tax which kind of sounds like what it is like <laughs> there's a oh financial tax there's an emotional tax uh you know a physical tax on being a mom and it's often not spoken about or acknowledged in society so we decided we wanted to talk about it yeah i found articles as far back as like late ni- 1999 1998 found another one for like 2001 mm-hmm. talking about the the disparities between uh what women with children versus women without children were earning so it was it's been a problem this has been an ongoing thing um and society at large has been aware of it for a while um, policies around like child care seem to have been like these things it's it's interesting right because it's like it was really easy to find things while I was searching for them mm-hmm. but it feels like I never really heard people complaining about it until I was pregnant right like complaining about the disparity between being like a childless childless sorry mother and a child's bearing parents and what that meant for their life and their careers. No one talks about it before they have kids because I think they're just not aware of it, you know? Like speaking for myself as someone who didn't have kids in their marriage for eight years that they were married and then suddenly started to get pregnant and, you know, decide to have a kid. And you just didn't think about it because it wasn't in your world. Like a lot of my friends, I think you're, one of the first of my friends to have a baby. I have another friend who lives in Hawaii, but like a lot of my friends from college still didn't have kids before I did. And it's just not something that was, you know, in my social circles, people weren't talking about it because it wasn't their experience. So until you enter, you know, motherhood or parenthood, it's not really, it's just not really what you think about. Yeah. And, you know, I'd go even further and say in terms of generations that came before me of like strong women in my family who have kids and have careers, those are the people I feel the most slighted by because Mm. they knew, right? They knew. And so then me presenting information after the fact, right, to your point where I'm like, oh, I didn't, yeah, I don't have a lot of people who have kids around us um and so then I get into the you know predicament of becoming a mother and then realize like oh there's so many things that I have to like sacrifice which like duh kind of question mark but like right oh like I wasn't oh oh right it's like (laughs) oh you want me to sacrifice like everything cool gotcha now I get it um but like, why didn't they tell me, right? Like these are people, women that went through it before me that might've even had it harder than I did, like thinking about my grandmother. And I guess it was just so normal for them to have to do everything that mm-hmm. they didn't think that it was a problem. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like- I can't really get the perspective because I'm like, how did you do it? And also why didn't you tell me how hard this was going to be? Um, to be myself to like still be myself but also be a parent at the same time yeah I totally get that because I also look back at my childhood and my mom was you know basically a single mom for most of my childhood and worked full-time as a real estate agent and took us to dance classes and helped us with homework and cooked meals at home and all that stuff and like she didn't have a lot of friends. She didn't have a lot of hobbies because all of her time was work or childcare related. Looking back now, I see that as a kid, I didn't really notice it. And she didn't talk about it because I feel like one of the things as a parent, you don't want your kids to feel like a burden, right? Even though they take up a lot of your time and a lot of your energy, I think she didn't want us to feel like, oh, you're 
doing this to me and it's a struggle, you know? So I could see why she didn't talk openly about the amount of energy and time and stress that it required to be a single mom. And now I can have those conversations with her about it because I'm a mom now too. And, you know, time has passed and she could talk more openly about it, I think. And we have had some discussions about it and my childhood and, you know, lack of fatherly engagement and things like that, that all kind of went hand in hand with the motherhood tax. But yeah, I think that my goal would be as a parent when Archie's old enough to talk more openly about, you know, the things that I experienced as a new mom. And so he knows, you know, if he does end up growing up and being a dad himself, and he knows then what it feels like, you know, if he has a female partner or a male partner or non-binary partner, and they decide to have kids, what that feels like to have most of the parental load if there's a spouse that has that or if it's himself you know what to expect so hopefully we learn from that generational gap of like trying to trying to like shield and protect your kids right I feel like that's kind of what it is trying to protect your kids from the harsh realities of the world when in a way yes I think that's good in certain aspects but also showing them the reality, teaching them how to thrive during it, teaching them, you know, the importance of community and friendships and family members being involved with your child care and things like that is also super important. So. Yeah. It wasn't until I got pregnant that my mother said to me, I can remember what she said. She said, um, feminism, because, you know, she's of a certain age and she grew up when women were, getting more rights right you want to work go work you want to have your own bank account have your own bank account you want to get divorced and have another life you know like live your life great like that all became normal as she was coming of age right um so she said to me feminism is bullshit we were we were sold a scam because you got all the things right oh you want to be equal you can be equal you can get all the things but nothing ever changed culturally in terms of the, the household. So we're still trapped very much in like this patriarchal thing where most of the time, right? And this is just most of the time, right? This yeah. is not a blanket statement. Yeah. Like blanket statement that like most of the time it's the women or some default partner in the home who's managing the home right managing the appliances so when I, and i'm not talking about just like bills right because bills that gets divvied up financials gets divvied up in a lot of different ways right but if of course like the person that's making who is the breadwinner right is probably going to take care of most of the bills but if you're looking at just the home there's going to be somebody who's managing the home the laundry the cleaning the deep cleaning the groceries, right? Like the mail, like the the little things that allow your home to be a home, right? And for things to kind of be comfortable and safe for everybody that's inside of it. And then you add children to that. And that same person typically is managing the child, right? And managing the bath times and managing like the design of the child's room. And like, you know, like all these little nuances that again, build like a safe haven for a family but it's that that domestic part of it isn't usually something that's divvied up fairly not usually right amongst partners and I I I can see what she was saying right because it meant that women were allowed and now expected to go out and make money but also come home and do what you were doing before make the dinners make the lunches the breakfast the food the whatever Make sure it's done, right? Like your husband still wants the things done and he also now wants you to make money. So like, go do it. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, if we start talking about like socioeconomic stuff, right? They're, the more money people are making, the more likely they have the option to say, oh, I'm going to stay home. But or hire a childcare. Or hire you know, a childcare. Like, but it doesn't- yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that that person isn't taking on 
a certain burden then unpaid. Right. right. Because the hours that it takes to manage a home, right. Like running down that list of things, right. Between cleaning and feeding and just making sure that everything is again, like safe and sound and secure for the family. That's not easy. That's not, that's not easy work. That's why a lot of people, yeah. especially, you know, in New York, right. Because you're thinking about people commuting, right. A lot of people eat takeout. A lot of people get deliveries, right. Fresh direct or whatever, or meal prep deliveries and all these other things. Cause literally they don't have enough time to cook mm -hmm. and to shop and to clean and to live and to go to work and then come back. You know what I mean? Like, and so yeah. I add a child to that and like that, that's a burden, you know, like I love my son, but it it is like another thing to think about. Right. And that's a challenge sometimes, right. To have to like, Oh, right. I have to also think of this other human being that can't think for himself and you know, duh, but like, right. Yeah. It's tiring. It's it is. Tiring. Yeah. And it's, it's like you were saying that, you know, that sense of equality, that illusion of equality, like, yes, women, females are getting more opportunities in the workplace, but there's still a pay gap. There's still a wage gap for the amount of work or the qualified, um, you know, credentials for a position. There's still a, a wage gap in most places. Uh, and there is still that societal, you know, expect expectation that the woman of the household, like you said, is going to do most of that domestic labor, most of the child care. So not only are they getting paid less in the working world, but then you're doing twice as much work at home and not getting paid for it. So it's a lot of stress, a lot of time, like even... Um, I had a friend recently who said something along the lines of, cause like we were out to dinner and Jeff had Archie and like the baby wrap on his body. And he was being really kind of fussy and crying because it was his time to go to sleep basically. And we were out at dinner. So Jeff went and took him and like walked him around until he fell asleep. And this friend of mine was like, oh, Jeff is such a trooper. Wow. Good for him. And I was like, yeah, but also he's a dad and he has like a 50-50 share with me of childcare and that's how we do it in my household. So it's just like I'm like if I were to do it, you know, like he doesn't get he shouldn't get extra applause for being a dad when if I were to do it, no one would have said anything, you know. It would have just been like, "Oh yeah, Hallie's taking the baby out because that's what she does as a mom is care for her baby." When in reality, both of us share that responsibility. And we do a pretty good job, I think, of sharing the load 50-50 because we both work from home and we share clients. Our business, our training business now is a joint effort. So we you know, switch off sessions and things like that and take care of Archie. And he puts him down for naps. And now that Archie's eating solid foods, Jeff can feed him more and things like that. So I do think that we have a pretty good situation but it is still so frustrating when people say stuff like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> you didn't pat me on the back when I was doing it earlier. <laughs> you don't have a penis. So, right. I mean, yeah. it's like the thing where you hear people, be, you know, talk about like the father babysitting. I'm like, fathers don't babysit. Right. They're just at home with their child. <laughs> yeah. They're just doing what they should just be doing, doing taking care of their kid. Not you neglecting know, them. They're spending time with literally something that came out of their body mm -hmm. <laughs> before it came out of mine. So it's not babysitting. <laughs> that's not right. that's of his loin. You know, you know what I mean? Like literally, what are you, what, how, how do you babysit your own flesh? I don't think that that's what that is. I think he's spending time with his child, but thanks. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that I might've been a little naive when I first got pregnant and also it was a weird time, right? Cause I, I got pregnant in January of 2020. Yeah. Um, and I also had like just quit my job and started my own business and, you know, it was just a weird time, but in my mind, my naivete, you know, I was like, okay, get pregnant. And then I'm going to be out of work for like, you know, however many weeks. And then I'm just going to get like right back into it. I don't, 
in hindsight, I don't even know what that means. Get back into what? Like, you know, like I know I meant like go back to work, but I did not have a strategy about what that meant. And I was lucky because my husband was home. And so he did a lot of the childcare. But how, how would that have, like, how would that have been a thing had the pandemic not happened? Because that's why he was home. Mm-hmm. Like how, you know what I mean? So like, then you get into this thing where you start thinking about, you know, the sheer numbers, especially during a pandemic, right? I think the number was like one fourth of women didn't go back to work when things started opening back up because they didn't have childcare because so many daycares closed or so many. Well, because the schools were still closed down for so long before employers started like bringing people back into the office. So how could you you know, afford to have childcare at home if you're, you know, especially living in New York City, if you're in a small living space, have the kids be at home while you're working and have someone that you're hired hiring right. to take care of them. Like that's just I th- unrealistic. I think it's, equally, it's equally challenging in a rural area, right? Because the right. resources are are fewer and things are spaced out more. So I, I think True. that it doesn't really even matter where you are. You're going to have challenges specific to your area that might look different but really they're all the same which is there's just not enough support Mm -hmm. in this country um for people who have just had children right compared to literally most of the modern world right most of the west most of the world isn't even just the west right like most of the world gives some sort of maternity leave and it, it varies, it varies, right? but, but it, it's almost always better than the United States. Because um, you don't have anything, yeah. and so you know. I, I pulled up some. Of, oh, did you pull up some some facts about no, it too? I made a list of all the things that I had to think about after having my child. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was healing, because I think I said it last week. I lost a bunch of blood, and even if I hadn't, my body was still ran over by a Mack truck um because that's what birth is so yes yes I needed it to heal right so like that meant that my tax was my energy right like literally didn't have energy and needed to sit down a lot so that my body could heal period right like so could not do stuff um breastfeeding yeah. I'm still doing right like and we're two and a half years in it definitely looks different now like we definitely aren't doing it with the same frequency but those like first like 12 months of breastfeeding I mean you're just sitting you're doing a whole lot of sitting especially in the beginning and the cluster feeding and all that like it's just a bunch of sitting that like my husband didn't have to do (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like he didn't have to sit he didn't have to heal he just had to do what I told him to do I guess you know what I mean and and yeah right and like whatever right um, Not to mention pumping too. Like I started pumping pretty early on to help increase my supply because Archie has a small tongue tie. So he wasn't able to breastfeed very well when he was a newborn. So I started pumping about eight days in, I think it was, to just help increase my supply for him. And I've stopped pumping as much now because he's so much better at breastfeeding. I don't have to pump as much now, but I still pump at least once a day so he can have a bottle at night because when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he wants to like eat like a madman (laughs) it's just nice to have a full bottle like ready for him that he can just like Mm -hmm. chug and then fall back asleep uh but yeah I mean and just in general breastfeeding is not just the time it takes it's also the physical act is fatiguing it it takes you know up to 500 extra calories a day, depending on how much you breastfeed. So you have to be eating more, you have to, you know, get good sleep. And when you have a newborn or a baby in general, you're not getting that great of sleep. So not only are you sleep deprived from taking care of your child in the middle of the night, that's waking up every two to three hours, you know, hopefully that doesn't last quite as long, but also you're, you know, in order to keep up your breast milk supply, even if your baby's not waking up, sometimes you have to get up to pump or get up to do a little hand expression or whatever it is, you know, and then also just the mental fatigue it takes to breastfeed and pump because it is a 
pretty emotional and stressful thing to always be worried about, am I creating enough milk? You know, if you have a day where it kind of dips down, it's very stressful because you're like, okay, my baby, you know, needs more milk than this. If I'm too stressed, it'll be affecting the milk supply. If I'm not hydrated enough, it'll be affecting the milk supply. So there's all this that goes into it. You know, it's so much more than just the time that it takes. And I don't think people really take that into account or realize it. So that's just something I wanted to, you know, emphasize. Yeah, it's a lot, right? And then like, you know, you have to start thinking about just leaving the house, what that looks like. when. Oh, yeah. I mean, every outfit I put on, I'm like, can I easily take my boob out in this outfit? Like there's only certain clothes that I can wear right now because if it's not a spaghetti strap or a tank top, or a bra that's made for nursing. It's like, I can't, I can't easily undress it. Like I take off my whole shirt in public, you know, to breastfeed. So I, I haven't had any issues with TSA. I've been really lucky all the times that I've flown with breast milk and with other things for Mm -hmm. Renee. But I did, when I went to the Bahamas that time, we actually went down with a friend who had a four month old or like five month old, whatever, slightly younger. And he was bottle feeding and their check-in line, they threw out their, 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 their formula. (gasps) And yeah. So like, that's like luck of the draw, right? Like, I don't know why. And they're supposed to let people in and there was no real reason. So they had to like mix a new bottle. Right. Um, But that's a wasted bottle. Right. And that's also energy and time. Right. Like I have to like produce this other bottle for my child. And that's unfortunate, right? And uh, I, I don't know that I really thought about that in terms of like the tax that, that was going to take mm-hmm. on my time and on my plans and like making making a plan or a strategy to leave the house with my child. Yeah. I just felt like, and even though I was breastfeeding, I didn't really have to carry bottles around. It was still right to your point. Like, does this outfit allow quick access? Um, and am I going to be in a setting where I feel that I'm safe and comfortable enough to like, you know, feed my child. And then Um, now, like if, you know, I want to leave the house and luckily Archie's eating, you know, like one or two solid meals a day. So Jeff can feed him when I'm like out doing an errand or something, or if I just need some me time and I want to like go roller skating or something. But in the beginning, it was like, you know, if I didn't have a bottle in the fridge that was ready for Jeff, if he needed it while I was gone, then that meant I couldn't leave because Archie needed then me at home to breastfeed and pump, which is, you know, just the reality of if you're doing Mm -hmm. breast milk, like you have to be near your baby so they can eat obviously every like two or three hours. So that's another thing. Like, you know, you don't have that freedom to just like get up and go anywhere. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, looking at like, the return to work for me again I was lucky because my partner was here and could take care of my of my son right while I was working but eventually he had to go back to work right um and so that obviously changed the landscape in terms of you know where what we needed right we, we needed daycare right we needed somebody to take care of our kid not everybody has that option, right? Like yeah. not everybody has the option to say, like, I think I took like 14 weeks off. I would have taken off more if I could have, you know? Uh, it's I know crazy that know. that sounds like a lot, you know, to us here in America, 14 weeks. Oh my God, you got 14 weeks for your paid leave or whatever, or your, you know, self-employed leave that you budgeted for yourself. But, you know, I looked up some statistics and like, for instance, in Canada, Mothers can now take up to 18 months of paid leave. In Norway, mothers can take up to 49 weeks of full pay leave or 59 weeks at 80% pay. And that's just a few examples of other countries that are supporting new parents in such a better way. And it's just so crazy to me that we're still like, oh yeah, six weeks is plenty of time. When in six weeks, your newborn face is such a blur. Like I barely was able to do anything in six weeks because I was the healing process takes so long you know it's like Laura was saying you feel like you got run over by a dump truck (laughs) like it's not like a minor thing and like if you think about it if anyone has surgery right like knee surgery or gets their um, appendix removed or anything like that you're going to be 
in bed, people are going to take care of you. People are going to, you know, nurture you and make sure that you take that rest so you can heal properly. And it's just like this weird thing where people don't think that birth is as extreme or it's, you know, more extreme <laughs> than any of those things. And it requires so much time to heal so much time. It, I don't know if it's people so much as it's policy. The policy is just really poorly written in this country when it comes to most social flat, like, uh, not platforms, but like most social needs, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, even places like Russia, I think have like a couple of years of maternity leave, you know, you <laughs> not only get the maternity leave in these places, right? Like France has a couple of years, yeah. but then you go back to work and the state is paying for your childcare. Yeah. You go to some place that has been opened by the government and then they pay for it. In yep. addition to paying for other things like your health care, they are also paying for your child care. And that is a huge deal. It right? is. If we're looking at quality of life. Like I have a few Facebook groups that I'm in that are like parent related. And the amount of people who post about being, you know, six weeks in and having to drop off their kids at a daycare at six weeks. What? Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot for me. I mean, my mom yeah. went back to work three weeks after having me three weeks no. and she couldn't take more time off. Like she was going to lose her job. And it's, this was in 1988. Right. So like there wasn't a lot of, you know, policy supporting this, but she only had like three weeks of paid leave. She had to go back to work. She commuted via train to the city of Chicago while she was healing, while she was trying to breastfeed and pump. And at the time she could only afford, I think like a hand pump. So she was at work, hand pumping, trying to, you know, express milk all day, like falling asleep at her desk, she told me. And it's just insane to me that she was able to do that like I can't imagine because like if you had asked me at three weeks to try to get on a train and commute by myself and separate me from my child like that would be so emotionally just exhausting and frightening and yeah devastating so it's it happens and it, it shouldn't happen it honestly shouldn't and I also see a lot of people post about having to make this really hard decision because they live somewhere where either family is not around. And that's why I was bringing up like rural areas. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that in terms of cities, even though it's more expensive and it may be harder to allocate funds towards it, there are more resources in terms of more people, right? You probably can't find a person to take care of your kid here. Whereas if you live in like bumfuck nowhere, you may not have literally anybody around, right? Maybe the closest neighbor you have is like a half hour down the road. Who knows, right? Like people live in really rural areas yeah, and have no family around or don't have any friends or things are just really spread out. And they have to make that really hard decision that like, well, one of us is going to stay home. And it may not even be that they can afford for one person, right? If you're living in a two- parent household they may not even really be able to afford to have that one person stay home it's just that they have no other options you know a lot of women um will post about like trying to find like online jobs that they can do like with the child in the room right like a call center biz thing that like people aren't going to be mad if they hear a baby but that's also really challenging too right because they don't yeah. want to have disturbances in the back if you're going to be helping somebody or just like appearances they don't want it to sound like there's chaos happening behind you if you're a customer service rep for like a really big company it's, because it's children like, and babies sounds unprofessional unfortunately when in reality it's like everyone has kids you know most people do like <laughs> really crying babies do. is like the circle of life you know <laughs> like right and, and yeah then you go even deeper and then you have people who are fortunate enough that they just go back to work right like it's just okay they go back to work but things change, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've dealt with this. I know I have. I don't want to work late because I want to be home. 
I don't want to work past a certain time because I want to spend evenings with my child. So things have to look different for me than they did before. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at a normal office job, a normal corporate job where overtime is typical or nighttime events are typical, you have to schmooze people. That's typical, right? Maybe, maybe you are really high up on your ladder and that was part of your gig, right? Like you have to travel and you need to schmooze mm-hmm. and you need to network. What does that mean for your home life and your quality of life, right? Because not every place is going to be so forgiving if you're like, no, I no longer want to do that. Right. No, right. And they're going to be like, well, then we will find somebody who will, right? And they will. They will. These jobs are in high demand, right? And oftentimes it'll be, statistically, it'll be a, a male employee who takes that job. because Or a very young Or a very young employee, yeah. Who they don't have to worry about talking back about overtime who's very eager and maybe making like you know a third of what you're making right now so they even if they promote them are still making less than what you're making and that works for them right Mm -hmm. and that's unfortunate right because that again it puts you in this scenario where you are having to choose between yourself and your own you know promotion and your own career growth and your family. And I think that that is unique to women, right? I've heard people talk about being scared to tell new employers that they're pregnant because they're afraid that they're not going to have the job very long, right? Or they're not going to be given chances or opportunities to like move up and to have like organic growth at that company, right? Or they won't say it during an interview where they try to hide their belly or whatever it is, right? Like Mm -hmm. they they hide it as long as they can because they don't want people to look at them in a way that isn't productive for whatever it is that they're doing. That's super unfortunate. I mean, it was even like a scary thing to tell my clients. Like I was nervous about it because it meant that there would be a time obviously, where I would not be meeting with them. Luckily, I have a situation where my husband was able to train these clients while I was on maternity leave. But then that meant that he didn't get as much paternity leave to spend with us. But we also have a unique situation where we're working from home. So he was still around. He was still helping in between sessions. He was still here. But yeah, I mean, like if I had been still working at a gym uh, while I got pregnant and then trying to do those sessions. I mean, I can't even imagine (laughs) trying to commute from Brooklyn into Manhattan while being super pregnant, while having morning sickness, you know, while getting super big and commuting on a train and everything, and then taking, you know, six weeks of maternity leave and jumping right back into going to the gym. I like, I can't imagine that. So I'm very grateful that I got pregnant when I did and I had already established my virtual training business and everything because it really is so much less stressful to just stay home. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Totally. And then, you know, I think the other thing too, right, is that I've been feeling, I guess some sort of, I guess they call it mom guilt, right? About maybe not mom guilt. I don't know. I, I just have feelings about it, right? Is that, okay, so... I'm lucky, right? I, I, I am privileged enough that I can kind of do whatever I want, which is great, right? I have consistent business. Great. Perfect. Wonderful. But I have to go slower than I would be going if I didn't have a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that are like, again, it comes down to boundaries, right? I have, a, I have a hard cutoff about when the last thing I'll do is. I have hard cutoffs in terms of like whether or not I'll do work on days that I have off. Like I just have very strict boundaries that I didn't have before. Yeah. And I really lean into them, right? Like I make sure that even if he's napping on a day that I have off, I don't spend that time like doing marketing. I just don't do it. This is your day off, right? And and I've worked really hard to get to a point where I do have more than one day off a week because for a very long time, I was doing like six days a week and having that yep. one day off. And I just, in terms of my time and my energy, like that just doesn't work for my body and my spirit anymore. But it also means I'm going slower in terms of what I would identify or my past self would identify as progress. Mm -hmm. I'm progressing, it's happening. I just have to recognize it's not happening at like hype speed, right? It's not happening the way that like, you know, you look at your peers and your colleagues on 
Instagram, my favorite posts are the ones where they like have like a selfie where they like look really glamorous and then they list out like a play by play for their day, right? Like 9 a.m. woke up and like took a shit and then like 10 a.m. gonna go take like a berries class and then 11 a.m. getting a massage and then 12 a.m. working on my marketing and then what we're 1 p.m. now I'm gonna work with you know my coaching call and two and I'm like god damn like what you know and then like you know their day ends at six and they've like had a full stack day which like great wonderful but I can't compare myself to that right? right I have to be really careful and that's where like I don't know if the word is guilt or not but it's like a mindset thing where like I have to be mm-hmm. really careful to not fall into the comparison trap where I'm like oh I'm not doing enough because I am actually doing a lot. It's just that I have boundaries Mm -hmm. that are for me and my spirit necessities, right. In order for me to play both roles of myself, right. Which is like business hat, Laura, who like is running this thing. And then also like mom and wife, Laura, who's like running this other thing. Right. And making sure that I'm nurturing both parts of myself. Well, it's one of those things that I think doesn't get talked about a lot. It's that I think what you're trying to describe is the mourning of your past life, you know, before your pre-kid life, the ability to like, just get up and go and complete five projects in one week and go take a class whenever you want and like do things to treat yourself whenever you want and all that stuff. Yeah. Spontaneity, you know, like it's not that we can't do it now. It's just that we have to plan it out. Like you said, it has to be like in the calendar. We have to reserve that time for ourselves. We have to have a partner or childcare or a family member or a friend who's willing to take care of the kid while we give ourselves that time. It's a lot to take into account. And then also on the business side, you're right. Like I would have been able to maybe progress my online course that I developed and, and I created and it's on teachable and, you know, I've sold a few since it's been up, but I haven't been able to get it really rolling because I haven't had the time to market it. And it's just been on the back burner for the past two or three months. And that's okay with me because I know it's not what's truly important for my energy right now. It'd be nice if it was doing better and I was selling more of them because, Hey, I mean, more passive income for me, which is ideally what I want to do. So eventually I will get to it and I will develop a strategy (laughs) for selling it that's effective. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I need to get to it. I'm, you know, going to get to it eventually. There's these other things that I need to do that are immediate, that are important for my family, that are important for me. Um, And so it's just finding that balance, finding that strategic implementation of work life choices and things like that it's it takes a lot of energy to develop it it takes a lot of time to figure out your groove I feel like I'm just now starting to get into a groove of working out and getting more uh, things for my body into my weekly routine so that's been wonderful the past few weeks but yeah man I mean it's a lot a lot that's why it's a tax and I feel like so much of what I've experienced not only came from becoming a mother but a lot of it came from the pandemic right because we you know we were home there was like a certain isolation that forced growth in my experience for Mm -hmm. me right Mm -hmm. and it just happened to overlap with this other very big life event that was happening which was, you know, growing into being a mother. And, you know, so much of what I've learned for myself has now become stuff that has poured over into how I coach, right? Because it made me, I guess, ruminate or like really examine what my values were and what do I really need in this life to be happy and healthy? Right. Like mm-hmm. what, what do I, what am I really seeking here? Like, what am I really doing when I am helping people with their health? And so much of it is about getting more simple. Right. And also just like giving yourself grace. I'm often saying that, right. Like give yourself some grace and also like meeting yourself, like where you're at, 
Mm -hmm. right? This is where I'm at. So it's okay for me to go slow because I kind of have to go slow because of the nature of where I am, right? And to your point, right? Like if that means that I was working out once a week, well, now I need to nurture myself to get to twice a week, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need those workouts to be 55 minutes anymore. I just need to move and whatever that is and whatever, whatever form that is, I know what I need to do. I'm going to do as much as I can and I have to be okay with it. I'm often also sharing that with my clients now, right? Like, I feel like that's my responsibility when they're like, oh, I just can't get it in, especially parents who have young kids. I'm like, I understand, right? You know, oh, they're like my back and my everything, my neck, everything hurts, right? Because they're picking up multiples and they're picking up children, right? And that's hard. Well, maybe you could put the baby on the ground and do a cat cow with them just to get some movement in. Maybe yeah. you put the baby on your belly and do some bridges. Now you did some hip thrusts, weighted. You did some weighted hip thrusts, right? Nice, and, yeah. Right, and so it also then, because that's what I had to do. It's what I still do. I do work out in front of, Renee, because A, sometimes that's the only time I have, and B, it's good for him to see it. It's good for him uh, or for me to model that for him. Exactly. But then I'm also like doing what I preach, which is like, hey, man, you don't have time. I get it. Don't worry about it being 55 minutes. Can you do 10 bridges with your child mm -hmm. and make a game out of it, right? Do some kickbacks, do some bird dogs, like things that you can hover over your baby. They're going to have a blast. They're going to get such a kick out of you doing really random things that they've never seen you do before. And not to mention like now they're involved and now there's this like bonding moment, which is like really special. And like, that's unique. That's a unique memory for the both of you to have. Like, oh, I used to try to work out with my kid, right? In 10, 20 years when they're much older, you could have these random memories pop up where you're like, oh, remember the time? Remember that time? Yeah, especially cause like as, as a woman, I want Archie to see me, a female lifting heavy shit and that to be a norm. And I think that more, Moms are doing that these days. I think that's really important. Archie sees me lifting kettlebells all the time and it's great. And like yesterday, Jeff and I took Archie out to the park and we swapped off, you know, watching Archie crawl around in the grass and play in the grass and stuff while the other person did a set of squats or swings or whatever it was. And we each got maybe about 20 minutes of actual working out, but we were moving the whole time, crawling around in the grass. Like there's extra movement involved. There's extra play. There's extra good, fun breathing for everybody because we're all laughing and stuff during the whole time. So, you know, it's possible. Of course, I have a partner that's able to do that with me whenever we decide we're going to go work out and schedule it into our day. So it makes that easier, of course. But if you can figure it out for yourself, I highly recommend working out with your kids. It's super fun. Totally. A lot of my totally. clients do it like during our virtual sessions. One of my clients has a five-year-old little boy and he loves working out with his dad and like doing all the exercises that we're doing. And he has like a little mini kettlebell that he can use. That's, you know, just like a little toy kettlebell, but it's super cute. And I actually also bought some kettlebells for my sister's kids um, last Christmas and sent them to her and her, her daughters now have little pink kettlebells that are like five pounds each. And it's just super cute to see them get so excited about something that's like, yeah, normally little girls would want to play with, you know, Barbies and stuff, but you know, they do that too, but obviously now they have a cool pink kettlebell. So. <laughs> right. That's cute. That's really sweet. <laughs> And then also, I, you know, I think both of us have gone through the pronatal um, certification yeah. mm -hmm. and, you know, they often talk about like the activities, right. Of the, the new mom activities. And so it gives me this other opportunity to like talk to people about the things that they're doing day to day, which is like usually lifting up their kids. If they have mm -hmm. kids, of course, if people don't have kids, it's fine. You could talk about lifting up groceries, groceries and yeah. laundry, right. Because it's like a sack of sack of bones is similar to a sack of you know, you know clothing um but like it encouraged me to take things that I was experiencing and share them with my clients in a way for them to also connect to what we were doing together that sometimes can feel very like codified and formulaic right yeah and be like oh well here's the pour over into things that you're doing right like we're we're lifting up these heavy things because I know that you are lifting up the other heavy thing on a regular basis, right? And it's really good for you to like 
learn how to do that in a controlled environment, right? So that you don't have to experience discomfort or to feel like you can't lift up something that's heavier than 30 pounds. Like you, you have to keep up with your kids in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a whole kettlebell versus baby series on my Instagram, everyone. (laughs) So go to my Instagram and check it out. It's all like parenthood baby movements that you do on a regular basis. And then the kettlebell movement is paired with it to train for that. So if you're looking for ideas, if you're a parent, you're looking for ideas of like, Oh, how do I a train with my baby if they want to, you know, be involved in my workout or how do I train for parenthood if I'm pregnant or thinking about having kids or if I'm already a parent and need to get stronger because I feel like my kids are really heavy. (laughs) So just wanted to put that out there. I have a bunch of, I think I have a 10 part series now, 11 part series now of different movements. So yeah, they're cute. (laughs) But the other thing I was going to say, right, is like also looking for opportunities to move that aren't only about the workouts right Right. like I think that that can be really challenging for especially for mothers right who might not feel super confident in their bodies Mm -hmm. and then they'll feel guilty about not working out the way that maybe they used to or maybe they never worked out before and now they feel you know whatever they just feel uncomfortable because of the changes that their body has gone through you know think outside of the box in terms of activity right like walking is an activity it doesn't always have to look like deadlifts. You know what I mean? It doesn't always have to look like you're lifting up weights. It doesn't have to always look like you're doing something on a mat, taking a nice walk with your kid, by the way, like in a stroller or your dog or your dog and your kid or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. these things count, like you moving your body in any which way counts. If you're going to dance around with your kid in your living room. I was just going to say, right? have a dance party. You know, have a dance party. It counts. And I, I think, you know, my overall theme right through all these things that I often try to share with people is that a lot of it is also emotionally bonding, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you're still having these moments where you don't have to sacrifice the time with your family. You actually get to spend time with your family and do this other thing that's really good for you. And, you know, in the long term, feel better about your body, feel stronger, strong, stronger, stronger is not a word. Sorry, feel stronger in your <laughs> body. <laughs> uh, right? Or feel just feel more confident and also build these relationships because ultimately, like, that's the goal, right? Like most people just want to feel better. And mm-hmm. they also want to spend time with their family. So why do we feel like we can only get stronger if we go to like, a class at a studio or like if we lock ourselves in a room and keep our family I don't have time to like lock them in the other room like you don't have to lock them in the other (laughs) room for you to get a workout they can be there and if you only get five minutes of a workout in you got five minutes of a workout in right like that's a win that's a super win and why do we have to look at this glass right like like it's only five minutes like yes you have five minutes in the cup that's great that's awesome yeah I feel like you have to like, you know, you have to do what you got to do because the system is kind of stacked up against us, unfortunately. That's the reality. And just being as present as you can, making making support systems for yourself, whether it's having friends or your partner or a nanny or something like that, like create that system of support for yourself. I know it can be difficult, like Jeff and I moved out here to Long Beach and we didn't know anybody really going into this move. And I found out I was pregnant a few weeks after moving here. And so that was scary because we don't have family members nearby, but we've been able to start to create a little sense of community. We found some friends that also have another baby and I'm feeling less isolated than I was, you know, when I was pregnant. So definitely helps to, you know, just put yourself out there, find people that you can bond with in this similar time in life, because that really does make a difference. Oh my God. We didn't even really talk about like the isolation. Yeah. We didn't really get into that, Um, that but it's definitely serious mm -hmm. and still feels like a thing. Yeah. But it comes back to the spontaneity, right? Mm -hmm. Like those two things are hand in hand, like me being able to or really me not being able to do things at a whim mm-hmm. always 
plays out in terms of whether or not I see my friends. I haven't seen my friends in what feels like months. We keep trying, yeah. but you know, I, I don't have a free schedule like that. And if you do, if you're listening and you have friends that have kids, try to be the person that reaches out, try to be the person that goes to their neighborhood to meet them. Like, you know, make it easier on them if you can, <laughs> because it is hard to get away from your kids. It's hard to, you know, think about calling and texting all your friends when you're taking care of your baby and stuff. So I highly recommend if you're listening and you don't have kids and you have friends that have them, like, don't be afraid to be that person that is reaching out constantly to them. Eventually they'll text you back. It's not because they don't want to. <laughs> I've been like getting back to text messages, like, you know, two weeks after someone sends me a text and I'm like, oh, hey, like mom brain, like mom activities, like, hey, but I'm here. I love you. Thanks. <laughs> and to all the moms who have friends who don't seem to understand, mm. like to help with them. You know, that's the other thing. You have to be like really okay with maybe just not having some friends and not everybody is meant to stick around forever. And that can be a hard pill to swallow, right? But like, if your friends don't understand that you have a kid, won't make any sort of adaptations, right? To like how they're going to meet up with you. They get frustrated that you're not answering. They only want to see you if the kid is not around, right? If they're if they're not trying to actually make an effort to see you, then read that the way that it is presenting, that they're right. not making an effort to see you. And, and that's okay, right? This goes hand in hand with like mourning your past self. Like some people are meant to stay in the past for a reason. And, it, and that's a hard pill to swallow, right? Because again, it goes into this like isolation factor of like, well, I really do want to see my friends and I really do want to do the things that I was doing before are allowed to feel sad about that right like I don't know that we talk enough about that either right like mm -hmm. it's okay to feel sad and to like really want to live the way you were living before yeah that's okay that's valid yeah friendships have their seasons you know like it's very rare I think that you would have a friendship that starts in high school or something and lasts throughout the rest of your life. Like sometimes that happens if your if your life's trajectories end up co-aligning, I feel like it can happen. But if someone is on a totally different path and that's just the way it is and you're able to, you know, have space for other friendships then that are more aligned with your lifestyle and what you're experiencing and that's really important so mm -hmm. even though it is sad it's also important to have good friendships strong friendships with people that can understand what your life is like because it just feels good to have those people right yeah and we've talked about this in you know past episodes when we talked about like habits and changing habits but yeah it, it is a normal process that we all go through right mm -hmm. to your point like most people aren't friends with people that they were friends with when they were in high school or or beyond that um I actually have friends from the third grade still but you know we make an effort to speak to each other but we're not like chilling you know what I mean like <laughs> right we're yeah. not, you know I, and I don't know that that would be on the docket you know but we make an effort to speak to each other because we've been close for a very long time like why mm. stop now right right <laughs> why yeah why are we gonna end this like 30 years later that doesn't make sense so we keep in touch and I see that's awesome know, it is pretty awesome that's a rarity right like that's an outlier most people yeah. don't have friends for that long I don't speak to anyone that um I even went to high school with like I don't even have friends in my life you know because I went to school a thousand miles away from where I grew up. Like I went to college in New York. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. I was the only, one of the only people that went like out of state for college. So, you know, mm -hmm. I created really strong bonds in college. I met my husband in college. All of our friendships in adulthood were, you know, based off of that for a really long time. So. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and it's like normal, right? It's, it is normal to shift. Like that's my point. If you're moving, right. You moved 
multiple times yeah you're not you're you're nomadic in some degree right away yeah. to some degree and yeah like i said i think that's normal and it's okay it's okay and you'll find your people yeah yeah okay guys well i think that's a good place to end <laughs> it's not too <laughs> not too depressing <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, again, I always say it. We we are titillating talks for a reason. We are trying to call the bullshit. So, you know, sometimes it's gonna go down some road. And I'm also, I mean, this is like part of my personality, right? I just start to get real heady. We both <laughs> do it. Spiral down the rabbit hole of like all of the things that need to be fixed in the world. And um, yeah, so to your point, we'll end there. <laughs> There is a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed in the world. So it's, you know. Uh, and we're just trying to do our part, right? And make sure that we talk about it. Yeah, I think that's that's the least that we can do is talk about it, vocalize it, share our perspective. And hopefully it's titillating for you to listen to. Yes, always, always. But thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, Laura. You're welcome. Thank you. And um, I guess I'll see you next time. See you next time, guys. Thanks so much. Happy Mother's Month. Oh, yes. Happy Mother's Month. Happy Mother's Day. Celebrate your mamas in your life. They're pretty yeah. awesome. Give them flowers. Flowers or just like a little text message thinking of you, you know, can do a lot. Proverbial flowers. Yeah, proverbial text flowers, gift flowers. <laughs> it can even be that. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support and we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to Titillating Talks. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Titillating Talks and feel free to reach out to us via email, ttpodcastgals at gmail.com with any questions or suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Titillating Talks is produced by us, Hallie and Laura. And our music is by Cruise Cruise. We hope you found this episode titillating.